Green Bay. Sometimes we forget who we are. We forget what it is that made us in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but all it takes, all it takes is a little push to come along, send you in the right direction. And all of a sudden you understand all you have to do all along is revel in what you are. And just like that, all of a sudden, it comes back to me. I remember all the things that I've lost. I remember that I am the color red in a world full of black and white. That I am the eater of worlds. I am Uncle Howdy. I am him. I am the nagging conscience of a world that has thrown itself away to moral monsters. I am everything. I am Bray Wyatt. And I know, I know who I am, man, but who, who are you? At the Royal Rumble, it will be my true rebirth. A baptism in the dark. And as for you, L.A. Knight, know this, son, when the lights go out, you should run. Well, ain't that beautiful? Ain't that glorious? Isn't that what you love about professional wrestling was when a man gets in the middle of the ring in his rocking chair, and he just cuts a promo and just goes off the hinges. Shit to bed, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green, like always. Swig a Mountain Dew for the working man. I ain't had a Mountain Dew in about three weeks, man. I needed it today. So, let's get to the, let's just cut to it, obviously, you know. This is my second time recording this week's episode. I recorded yesterday. Somehow, my outlet for my uh, USB did stop working, so but finally I got to fix and got to work, and that's all that matters, man. We got to rock and roll. So got a jam-packed show for you today. As I just plug my my charger in on my laptop, battery's getting a little low, and uh, got a lot to talk about, man. I got a movie review to give you guys today. I got a watch along to give you guys today, and I'm gonna give you some trailer reactions as well. So basically, this this might be one of my longer episodes I've done recently. Um, I also want to thank the uh, the the uh, episode reviews I've gotten for. Um, last week's episode, my girlfriend came on the, sh the show, Brandy Moorhead. She will be back on the show. We are watching The Last of Us, the series, and so far, so good with that. I'm gonna save that review for the the show, but um, just want to you know point out that you know I have mentioned to her if I ever need a co-host, it would be her. She is just an awesome person. I mean, she's got great vibe and good chemistry together, and I would really love her to be on the show so as a, a, a co-host. It'd be awesome, and. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, there's a lot of things we can talk about. We can talk about the world sports. And also, I'm glad I got kind of the episode happened yesterday because we could talk about the NFL playoffs now in a whole. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just start with that. So, 
Saturday night, obviously, I had to work. Um, anybody knows me? I work a Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday uh, schedule my at my job, and I watched the NFL. I watched, um, you know, I watched the 49ers and the Seahawks. I still think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. I just believe that their defense is good. McCaffrey is playing at an all time level. Brock Purdy. I don't know Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, his offense, he can just plug a quarterback in and it makes it work. Now, here's the big question. If the 49ers make a run with Brock Purdy, you mortgaged everything to get Trey Lance. Do you roll the dice and go back to Trey Lance or keep Brock Purdy? I don't know on that one. I got asked that question the other day by a guy at work. We were talking, and I'm not sure, to be honest with you, because... Brock Purdy is making – he's kind of like Garoppolo in a way. He's making three or four big throws a game. It just happens, you know, gets what he needs, gets the ball out of his hands quick and it gets to happen. It also helps that he has McCaffrey behind him. And let me tell you something, Christian McCaffrey is healthy. I know Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, those guys are great, man, but McCaffrey's in that conversation with him. He is a skilled running back as it gets. But then, then of course, you know – the Saturday night debacle with the Chargers against the Jaguars. And I actually, I quit gambling this year. And, you know, I've been told that, you know, eh, you know, you weren't gambling right, whatever, whatever, man. Look, man, I was losing a lot of money on gambling. Not big astronomical money, but money I could have saved. And that's all that matters. But I watched, I actually thought Jacksonville at home, the Chargers have been inconsistent all year long. I know they've had a lot of injuries. Mike Williams was out for this game, obviously. But Austin Eckler's been there all year. Justin Herbert, who I had, I am a big fan of. Keenan Allen, to me, I know he gets his due, but I still think he doesn't get his due enough. I like him a lot, as a as, just as a wideout, man. He's so good. And, you know, their defense got Khalil Mack, Darwin James, um, Bosa. They got a crew of guys. But, you know, I'm going to make this just real clear. When in doubt, you never doubt on doubt sunshine on a Saturday night. Sunshine, I obviously is Trevor Lawrence. I call him Sunshine because of his hair and stuff. But let's be honest. Look at his look at Clemson. That dude has won everywhere. He won in high school. He won at college. I mean, he beat Alabama as a freshman to win a national championship. I mean, the guy knows how to win. And here's the thing. I honestly think, and this is just my opinion on the whole situation. Trevor Lawrence is a guy, the guy threw four interceptions, and in that second half, he acted like nothing happened. Tore up. Now everybody says that well, Chargers got the the play calling, blah blah blah. I don't give a damn. He made the throws down the stretch. He made it happen. And I actually got into work and got in, got in the break room to watch the final three minutes of that game. And fourth and one, they I and I was sitting with a, a guy I was working with. We were sitting there watching. He goes, "They're going to do a QB sneak." I said, "No, they're not. They got three running backs behind. Them. They're going to give this ball to Annette. He's going he's going to take off on the right side like a sweep." And sure enough, he t- or a counter, and he took off and got twenty yards. And I said, "That's ball game." And you know they won, made upset twenty seven nothing, one of the largest comebacks in in the history of the NFL in the playoffs. And it's just it amazes me, man. Doug Peterson, you know, he got a bad he got fired fired in Philly, which I question that to be honest with you. I don't know what happened with that. The guy did win the Super Bowl. And look what he did. He's doing Jacksonville. Jacksonville was horrible last year with Urban Meyer. And look what they're doing. He's turning it around, man. He's turned it around. And they they the AFC South, and I'm as you know, everybody knows you listen to the show. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. There's a lot of you know, Colts. There's some Colts, you know, do for for the shoe, those Colts fans here. You better figure out your situation, man, because I got a big – obviously, I'm going to do a big um, NBA, uh, NFL draft segment, you know, at the end. I'm going to cover the NFL draft this year on this podcast. I got a lot of stuff. But at the same time, man, it's like 
back to the like Jacksonville has what they need. They got their foundation. They're young. They got weapons around Lawrence. They need to upgrade their secondary. Their deep, their, but their front seven's pretty solid. I mean, they got a good crew of guys, man. And you know, they got a, they got a guy on the sidelines, man. And they're very exciting to watch. Now, do I think they're going to beat Kansas City next week? No. Do I think they're going to put up a fight against Kansas City? Yeah, I think they'll put up a fight, but I don't think they, I just don't think they're ready for. They're not ready for that. You know, Pat Mahomes, boys, Shannon Sharp, Sam, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL, and. And it's a, um, yeah. You know, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And I just, you're going to go to Arrowhead. That place is loud. It's one of the hardest state. It's probably the hardest stadium in the NFL to win at. That or Seattle when Seattle's rocking. But, yeah. Then, of course, we go to Sunday night games. You know, Baltimore and Cincinnati. And, actually, I'm going to talk about the Giants and the Vikings. And I actually thought the Giants would win this game. Because I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback. I think he's a top 15 quarterback in the game. I know his defense failed him, but, man, come on. Fourth and 11, the ball's in your hands, man. You throw a three-yard pass. It's like, dude, seriously? I mean, and here's another thing. The clock's ticking on Minnesota because this was their chance this year. Green Bay is down. Chicago's rebuilding. Detroit, and this is why I'm going with this, it was their chance to make a statement of this because the Detroit Lions are coming. Dan Campbell has a culture. He's building a culture with Detroit. I watched Detroit play four times this year, man. They are exciting. And the year before that, when they lost all those games, I think they were the second, third pick in the draft, they lost about five or six or seven games that year by like two points or less. Or a point, like it was like three, uh, it was like two to five points in a stretch of seven games they lost that year. I mean, Justin Tucker for Baltimore had to hit a 66 yard field goal for it to, to, to beat them. So you think about that, like seriously? I mean, I'm just saying, man, but back to Minnesota. Like the Giants, the G-Man, their head coach escapes me right now, but he's got those guys playing. Also, it helps him. Daniel Jones is a, is a he's solid, but man, it helps when you got Saquon back there. Man, it just helps. And Danny Dimes, as they like to call him in New York, I mean, the guy's got some jets on him. He's got some wheels on him, man. So it's good. Baltimore, Cincinnati. I'm gonna make this real clear. I am a Steeler fan. And I do not like the Ravens, and I always hashtag fuck the Bengals. It would always be that way. But number eight in Baltimore has a whole place in my heart. Being a Louisville Cardinal fan, being from the 502, Lamar has a special place in my heart. And I always said this. I want Lamar and play Steelers to get 500 yards total of offense, but I want the Steelers to win the game. And I always root for Lamar. Now, I don't have a Baltimore jersey in my fucking – or a Baltimore T-shirt in my fucking hall – my my closet. But you know what I mean. I, I root for the guy. And I believe this. If Lamar played yesterday, or on, if he played on Sunday, I really believe this, that <laughs> they win that game. They absolutely win that game. And it's not even close. I really believe it. Because Baltimore, he's such a dynamic thing. It's He's so dynamic. So, And it sucks, man, because, you know, because you look at Baltimore, you know, and now, you know, the clock's ticking on Baltimore because what are you going to do? Cincinnati is going to play Buffalo next week, and we're going to talk about I forgot, and I skipped over Buffalo and Miami. I'm going to talk about that next. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow has got guys all around him. He's got Tyler Boyd, Chase. He's got Higgins. He's got Mixon in the back. He's got a chance. He's got an offense. You can win with this. you got to win with this. you got to get a Super Bowl. But he did get last year, so – Back to this. Cincinnati's got their offense, even though, but always, like always, hashtag fuck the Bengals. And once again, 
You know, and that means what I mean that with all the disrespect in the world. Fuck the Bengals. You um, Baltimore. You pay Raekwon. You trade for Raekwon Smith, bring him in for defense. All right, I get it. You give him a five-year hundred million dollars, but you can't get Lamar Jackson's money. Now, for anybody out there that wants to say Lamar's not worth the money he's worth, the man's won an MVP. And you look at how they struggle without him in the lineup. You tell me he's not the most valuable player on that team. And here's another thing: name another quarterback at their position that is more outside of Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, those two guys right there. Who is more valuable than Lamar Jackson for their team? I know Joe Burrow has, but I named those weapons off Joe Burrow. You can plug in anybody right now and probably make it work. But solid enough. Look at Lamar. They struggle with that. Now, Tyler Huntley is a solid quarterback. He's solid. But you're going to really, but Baltimore's really, it looks like Baltimore's really going to roll the dice and go with Tyler Huntley over this thing. And they're going to let Lamar walk. And look, Michael Vick, I love Michael Vick's player. I don't agree with what he did in his personal life, but I know the man went to prison. He paid his dues. I'm not condoning it. I am not condoning it. But let's be honest, he's one of my favorite players growing up. Watch, I love me some Michael Vick. And then the man lost everything, went to prison, and that's another story of time. But he had his take the other day about how, you know, Lamar should suit up, put a brace on his knee and play, which was a bad take. And then RG3 comes out and makes a post about what happened with him. RG3, like, RG3 right now is sitting there talking about football instead of playing it. I remember that night against Seattle watching that game 10 years ago when he his knee buckled on him. I remember watching that. And I remember wincing at the fact that I just watched a young man lose his career. A guy that I loved. I loved me. And I was one of the guys that won the Colts take RG3 over Andrew Luck. I just loved RG3. I watched him at Baylor. I thought he was exciting. And let's be honest, if RG3 didn't get hurt, we might be talking different language with RG3 right now because he, he had a hell of a rookie year. So, and that's the fact. So, I don't, you know, this whole thing, if I'm ball and – the fact that he, the rumor I read that he wanted more money than Kyler Murray, guaranteed. And Baltimore give it to him. Okay, what's wrong with that? Deshaun Watson could go out there and cause all this controversy and everything else, and he gets his full salary guaranteed. While Lamar has done nothing. Man, yeah, he did get caught driving 80, 90, 100 miles or whatever on the Palm, uh, down at Palmo Beach, Florida, make, acting, like, uh, acting that way. But all right. But he doesn't get in trouble. He's not causing any controversy in the locker room that we know of. And it, he's loved in his locker room. Team. Like J.K. Dobbins said, if Lamar plays Sunday, we win that game. Plain and simple. Lamar went, but his knee wasn't right. Sorry. Lamar goes in any situation right now automatically, okay, they're going to playoffs. They can get to the playoffs with Lamar. You can get to the playoffs with Lamar. Baltimore, seriously, you pay defense. You'll pay, a, you'll pay a guy you traded for $100 million, but the guy who's won you games, got you in positions, you won't pay. But Kyler Murray, but then, and then the argument about Kyler Murray I was going to go with, Kyler Murray has got a coach fired. Well, Clint's career got fired, but I'm saying that the issue they had he has had in his contract that he had a replays. He's uh, he's uh, he's uh, it's all about Kyler Murray. He's basically all about himself, and he's never going to win in Arizona. Let's just be honest; he'll never win. And he's had talent all around him, and he's got to one playoff game. While Lamar has done with less, and look what he's done. 
I'm just saying, man. And it's on the Ravens, by the way, too. You put, you give Lamar a solid. You give Lamar. You go, go grab Lamar. You, they could have went out this off. Like you can go get a guy like you go get a Lazar, a like from Green Bay. Go grab him. Put bring in a another solid like a Christian Kirk. You put those guys around Lamar, and Lamar would have a hell of a core around him. He is he is that talented. It just it just pisses me off, man. And I, yeah, it's me being a Louisville fan, and I don't give a damn. And now people can turn this shit off right now because I'm getting pissed. If you don't agree with this, I don't give a fuck. The man deserves his fucking money. And Baltimore better fucking pay him or they're going to be haunted. Because let me tell you something. Cleveland's got Deshaun Watson. They're going to be in the hunt no matter what, no matter how you feel about him. Cincinnati, I've talked about. In Pittsburgh, with that young core talent, going 9-8 down the stretch, winning games the way that 9-8 winning the season, going 5-1 down the stretch, and getting younger and getting healthier. Baltimore, the clock's ticking. You better figure something out. You're going to be finding yourself in the middle of the pack of that division or down the bottom because Pittsburgh's going to be better next year. Cincinnati's going to be the same in Baltimore, and you better believe that Sean Watson will be a lot better than he has been, than he was this year. I'm just saying, man. Now let's talk about Miami and Buffalo. Now I honestly thought Buffalo was just going to come out and just kick the Dolphins' ass. And I went to Dave & Buster's, me, my girlfriend, my stepson, we went to Dave & Buster's. And Miami kept that game close because they got pressure on. They, I think they sacked Joe Burrow seven times. Got pressure, not Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, excuse me. And Josh Allen also turned the ball over. If Tua plays in that game, I don't know if they play as hard as they did, but man, I tell you right now, I like their chances. Even Tay Bridgewater played. Skylar Thompson played a hell of a game. He played a hell of a game, man, and he had him in position to win the game. But Miami has nothing to be now. They did go eight and three. They were eight and three, and they finished the year out. What was it? One and one and five. I mean, damn. I mean, whew. so it just take you know, Miami has a lot of talent around Tua. Now here's my thoughts on Buffalo. I really believe Buffalo. I know they gotta go through Kansas City, but man, I really believe this is Buffalo's chance to get they got get to the to get to the, uh, the 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 Super Bowl. I am rooting my ass off for the Bills Mafia to take care of business and beat the hell out of the Bengals. Cause like I said, hashtag fuck the Bengals, and um. Yeah, I'm rooting for Buffalo. And also the, the DeMar Hamlin situation. God bless that young man. I'm glad he's he's you know he's alive and he's doing well. It's a, it's a miracle. But I'll let you know right here, right now, I don't want to see him ever on the football field again. And that's besides what I'm just saying. I want him to be healthy and happy and have his fun with his life. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it rolls, brother. But like I said about that, like, Tua, you need to think about your future here, young man. And I look, man. I know I'm. I'll be thirty here in, a, in about about six, seven weeks. And I know that I have got no room. But I want if he hears this, which he probably never will. Look, man, you got money. We all know how good you were at Alabama, or great. We all know you've you've had a solid. You've had, you played well. Look, man, you've had three concussions this year. You had a concussion in Cincinnati where your fingers. You were, your fingers locked up the way they did. Tua. And this is on the Miami for not a diet. Uh, something's going on because it keeps getting something keeps happening. Tua, you really, really need to think about your life right now, man. You need to think about your because I don't want to see Tua catch a CTC uh, or whatever it's called. You know what I'm guys I'm talking about. By the time he's 30. And he can't play because of that. I don't want that. Now, if he can get clear, if the doctors say he's good and he can go, then go. But 
Don't go to the Miami physicians. Go to an, an actual physician outside of the organization because obviously they don't know what they're doing. And go get the help you need, please. I'm begging you to. And I'm a fan of the guy. I loved him in Alabama. I love Tonga Taloa. I'm a fan of him. I'm rooting for him. I am. Well, yeah, but yeah. Now let's talk about Monday night. The Cowboys and Tampa. And I thought Cowboys win this game. And uh, the Tampa win this game. And I was wrong. Cowboys are going to play the, the – so I'm gonna look at, we're going to talk about the next week's previews and what I think is going to happen this weekend. But I want to state this. I really believe that Dallas has enough talent around them to make a run. I believe on defensively they got some guys on the defense. Obviously, Micah Parsons, 11 for heaven, as I like to call him. They got some guys. Offensively, you know, they got some weapons on the outside with Gallup and Lamb. T.Y. Hilton they brought in just to make a big play. They got guys. And Schultz, a tight end, is pretty underrated. Dak, you question his decision-making, but it is what it is. Now, let's talk about the elephant room about Tom Brady. Tom should have retired, stayed retired. Competitiveness, wants to play football, feels like he can go out with something. Tom, look, man, your first three years at Tampa, you got a Super Bowl ring out of it. You got, no, I'm sorry. You won a Super Bowl. You won a Super Bowl with Tampa. You got beat by the defending. You got beat by the world champions that year, the Rams and the divisional round. I know your offensive line wasn't the best, and you didn't have a running game. But Tom, you look bad in some spots. And you're you're the goat in my opinion, man. You're the greatest quarterback ever played a game. But man, what you got to prove? You got to deal with Fox as an analyst, Tom. You got it, man. Let's walk away. Just think about it. I know people say he can come play. He can do this. He can do that. Tom, it's just time. It's just time, brother. Father time has hit Tom Brady. And it's just the way I feel about it, man. Like, walk away from the game, man. Walk away from the game and just do what you got to do. Now, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the games for next week. So, we got the Jaguars versus the Chiefs, the Bengals versus the Bills, the Eagles Versus the Giants and the Cowboys versus the 49ers. As my computer screen goes dark, I'm going to turn this back on. But I, so let's start with the, the first game I've seen the Jaguars and the Chiefs. And while I am kind of in my mind thinking I like to see Jacksonville pull it off, I just don't think they're ready for that. Kansas City at home, I think Kansas City will win. I'm not going to predict scores, but I'm going to go with Kansas City. Bengals and Bills. Fuck the Bengals. I'm going with the Bills. Giants versus Eagles. This is interesting because I don't know the question on Jalen Hurts' shoulder, and I don't know what they're at. The G-men do play some good defense, and they do have some talent around them with Daniel Jones and Saquon, but I still believe that. I just... mm, I can see this one being the biggest upset, and I'm going to go with the Eagles. I I can see it being an upset, but I'm going to stick with the Eagles right now as I record this. Cowboys for 49ers. This game's the same friend. Can the Cowboys get revenge next flash? Can the Cowboys get revenge against that defense? I don't think so. I'm going with the 49ers. And then, it, obviously, we'll do the NFC Championship and AFC Championship games preview next. I'm going to leave it at that. Well, we got some family drama to talk about in the world of professional wrestling with Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon and the whole issue with the McMahon family. We'll pull up this article. You know, and 
she obviously the whole rumors about Vince McMahon and the whole situation. But I'm gonna get into Vince in a minute. This is the the resignation letter she left. Dear WWE Universe, about eight months ago, I took a leave of absence. Within a few weeks, unexpectedly, I had the opportunity of a lifetime. I had the privilege to return as co-CEO and chairwoman of the board of WWE. I cannot put into words how proud I am to have led to what I consider to be the greatest company in the world, working alongside a remarkable leadership team and one of the strongest executives I've known in my co-CEO, Nick Khan. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Our founder, Vince McMahon, has returned as executive chair... In leading an inspiring regarding significant alternatives with and with Nick's leadership and with Paul Triple H as chief content officer, I am confident is confident WWE is in the perfect place to continue to provide an unparalleled creative content and drive maximum values for shareholders. WWE is in a, such a strong position that I have decided to return to my leave and take one fir- step further without official recognition. I look forward to cheering on WWE from the other side of the business. Where I started when I was a little kid, as pure as a pure fan, I will always remain dedicated to WWE. I truly love our company, our employees, our superstars, and our fans, and I am grateful to all of our partners. Thank you for everything. Then, now, forever, together. Okay, so here's how I think about this. Stephanie wanted to leave back in May after Mania. She had some stuff going on. If you remember that transition period that was going on. It start, I'm gonna go. We're gonna start back from January 2022 till now, until this. January 2022, the Royal Rumble in St. Louis, Missouri. I was there at the event. Shane McMahon was booked that night in the Rumble. There was a lot of stories that came out backstage about things and everything else. Shane also made eight hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars for that match for one match that year. Shane was fired the following week or whatever because something happened in the Rumble. Some scripts changes or something happened. Then, of course, you know, then, of course, you know, obviously we got, um, you know, we go around Mania. Triple H has had this issue with his heart. And, obviously, developmental is taken from him. And it's given back to John Laurinaitis, the biggest douchebag of them all. John Laurinaitis takes the spot. You want my, and why did I just call him a douchebag? Look up Jim, Jim Ross's and Jim Cornette's commentary on John Laurinaitis and some other people they feel about Laurinaitis. You'll get where I'm coming from. Mania happens. Mania is a success. Then there's kind of a, a, a log in poor creative. The shows aren't being real well. Back, WrestleMania backlash has kind of gotten some negative, some negative reviews with creative. Then Sasha and Naomi leave with the belts. And just things are just turmoiling at WWE. Then all of a sudden these sexual allegations against Vince McMahon come out and he leaves. He's forced out of retirement. Stephanie comes back. Stephanie comes back as co-CEO with Nick Khan. And then Triple H gets creative and gets back in control of developmental with Shawn Michaels as the head booker of NXT. They rebrand NXT because, let's be honest, that's the one thing that's... There's a lot of things that got hurt, but NXT's developmental got killed because of John Laurinaitis and what they were trying to do. That happens. Then you turn around. Things are going well. Revenue's up. Ratings are up. Everything's going well. People return. And then Vince makes a comeback. And, of course, they have a meeting. on this. That organization happened. The Friday beforehand, they had a conference call that everything was going well and Stephanie quit. 
I did some background and some digging and reading through some things, and I realized some Vince and Linda don't even live together anymore. They're technically married by legal, but they're 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 not together. Like te- they don't live together. Then you turn around, you get, um, then you see this thing to so Stephanie. When Triple H had his heart issue, nobody really. It seemed like nobody in the world cared, and Vince and Stephanie weren't getting along. I really believe that Vince's com- lack of compassion to Hunter's heart issue pissed Stephanie off. And I think that was a dr- the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's unfortunate because this is why you don't mix your family with a business. This is what happens. Vince came back. He's got he's at the board now. He's trying to potentially sell WWE. He actually held WWE hostage because he said no sales or whatever. And Stephanie and, Vin- Stephanie and Triple H were eventually against it. There was a big talent meeting this past Friday on SmackDown where Hunter swore up and down he is in charge of creative. Even if Vince gives suggestions, it's his say over Vince. Vince holds power still, but it's his say. And Kevin Dunn, the Bucky Beaver motherfucker that he is, one of the wrestling's worst enemies in the last 30, 40 years, he said it best too that Vince isn't having no say in it either. It could that now. Here's the thing. Creatively, everything is going well a lot better on that show. A lot more things are making sense. I still believe Raw needs to be two hours instead of three, but that's beside the point. The morale around there is just good because Vince is gone. If Vince gets creative, gets creative back, you're going to see a lot of guys saying, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to walk. Or guys will just say, all right, just give me my release and I'll leave. They don't want to be around him. Triple H took a lot of those. Like you, you point. Look at the fact. It's the facts. Every guy that they brought up from NXT, only a handful have really made it in the roster. Have made it. Now on the scale, on the percentage, I guarantee you, twenty percent of that roster, they, those guys have made it. That have came from NXT. A lot of guys have been there for a while, or they've signed. But look at the guys they fucked around, and let go. They let go. They let. They dropped the ball with Keith Lee. Cross, carrying Cross, the first time they dropped the ball with. They let Bray Wyatt go, which I'm still boggled by that. They let Braun Strowman walk. There's four guys right there. They let Miro, uh, Rusev, they let him walk. Um, I can I can name more names. That There's five guys right there I just named that you could draw money with. Samoa Joe, they dropped the ball. They fumbled the bag twice with that. They let him walk. I know he has issues with concussions, but still. Um, let's go to Independence. Let's talk about Tyre Valkyrie. They let they let her walk. Um Bronson Reed, a guy they let walk. Do I need to keep? I can Johnny Gargano as as I'm not a fan, but they let him go. Like seriously, think about all the things. Candice LeRae, she, I mean, she was pregnant, but I don't know if she got released. But she was a Mia Yim was another talent they let go. I mean, how the OC are Anderson and Gallows? I mean, you let them go. There's so many talents they let go and they cut for what reason? I don't get it, man. I don't understand why. Why? Because Vince wanted to sell early. He wanted to make a profit and get the hell out of the business. And he was going to fuck everybody around him, let's be honest. Now, I'm not mad Vince wanted to get his money off his company. I'm not mad at him that. And I'm thankful for a lot of things Vince has done. But Vince McMahon's a piece of shit. Let's just be honest. You got shareholders now selling, uh, suing you. This is not going away. I was so excited for 2023, and now I think it's going to be a debacle. I hope I'm wrong. And for the AEW fans out there that are 
clapping your hands at this and cheering this on? Let me tell you something. Why don't you worry about your own backyard? Because let me tell you something. You better get your revenue up and your t- attendance up and your TVs, your uh, your ratings off TV, or you're going to be off TNT looking for a deal. I'm telling you, AEW is in a that's another story of a different time. But I'm just saying, why are we cheering for the other company's demise? Do you want a monopoly we had for 20 years? Like you stupid motherfuckers don't realize what's going on. You don't want Vince back. I don't want him back. I didn't want him back. I don't mind he's at the board. He better not touch creative. He better not. He gets the book back. Oh, shit. Things will change. But that's the side of the point. Also, as I leave that, I'm going to end the show with some wrestling as well. But I'm going to leave it this. Get your money and get out. And the Saudi Arabia, they're not going to sell Saudi Arabia. It'll never happen because I'm telling you right here and right now. It won't happen because the women will... They're, they're, the Saudi Arabia thing won't happen. It's not going to Saudi Arabia. Disney, ESPN, NBC, Comcast through what Peacock will probably be the ones that buy it. Nothing more. Nothing less. And kudos to Stephanie telling her old man, hey, fuck you, I'm gone. Fuck this. Kudos to her telling her old man to piss up a rope and leave him. There's that on that. Also, I will make an announcement that we are having more and more wrestling content this year, a lot more shows. And yes, people, I am going to start doing more all the AEW big events. I am also going to talk about doing the Ring of Honor big events, the Impact events. All the major events. The Japan thing, I'll watch the clips on YouTube and watch things that matter. Outside of that, no. And I'm also going to change up the format on professional my wrestling shows. Like I'm gonna give um, I'm gonna give it letter grades instead of just rating the shows one through ten. I'm gonna leave that for my movies and stuff. I'm gonna give them letter grades. And I'll do the uh, I'm gonna do the star ratings for the matches because why the hell not? And then I'll give it a letter grade at the end. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to do it because I don't give a damn about, you know, Meltzer and that shit. I'm not, but it is what it is. Because Meltzer's in some hot wire in that right now because he purports the false information. He better fucking make up for it. And how about this day? Do yourself a favor. Instead of apologizing for it, just hire more people around you and just stop doing it by yourself. You've been doing this shit for 30 years that way. Just let it go. Get some help. Dumbass. Can't stand Meltzer. Never have liked and never will. And I've also been asked... Uh, by people that are are you going to ever do the newsletter vote for the Hall of Fame now obviously what they're talking about the Wrestling Observer has a newsletter that comes out every year for their Hall of Fame and no I'm not I was thinking about doing it but the ballot's ridiculous the fact that you got some people that are already like for example there are so many names if I named you some of the names that are in that Hall of Fame that aren't in, that are on the Hall of Fame while their names are not you probably shit a brick it's ridiculous I mean, JYD, Sergeant Slaughter, not the Hall of Fame, but Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are. So why would I even waste my time voting for that? Just saying. So last night, oh, we got to talk a little. We got to talk a little. We just got some updates on the season. Uh, new updates on, I got this last night. I saw this. Girlfriend was excited about this. And I'm going to pull it up. It's been announced that Chucky Season 3 is happening. 
lackluster season two, but here we go. I'm going to pull up the article on Bloody Disgusting. For all your horror sources, I believe go to bloodydisgusting.com because I love them to death. Here it is. This is published two days ago. Chucky has been officially renewed for season three. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Here we go. I'm going to pull... What the fuck advertisement? Stop it, stop it, stop it. There we go. Let's scroll down, ladies and gentlemen. Officially announced this morning, Don Mancini's hit horror series Chucky has been renewed for season three. Set the return for both USA and sci-fi with brand new episodes later this year. Hell yeah. Cast and crew of Chucky would like to thank the critics alike for their own response for season two. We are delighted to announce how we spurred the great official green light on season three. This news has made Chucky very happy. Thanks, thanks, Dalambala, for that because otherwise Chucky would have been frankly impossible to deal with. Many thanks to our partners at Sci-Fi USA and UCP for helping us keep Chucky busy. See you in 2023 for what Chucky himself promised to be the scariest he's ever said. Don Mancini, what to expect from season three? Well, let's talk about that. All right, so I'm not gonna read the rest of it because it just shows what we expect from season three. Here's my thing: I'm gonna run it down for you guys. I was a big fan of. Obviously, season one. I loved the opening season one, but I didn't like the way it ended. I did like, as season two started, it started slow, but by the middle of the, the season, I was liking it. That last episode was just bad. Just bad. So overall, though, I am ecstatic for it. Anything with Chucky, I'm a fan of. Chucky is one of my favorite horror franchises. I love the little, I love that little bastard, and I'm always going to be open for it. So we're going to do a little, as that said, that was the only thing. So we got some trailer reactions and videos to give you guys right now. And I got a movie review to give you too as well. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the movie review now. Last night, me and my girlfriend, as I record this, is obviously on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. So there's a new horror film on, on Peacock called Sick. It's a slasher film. Now I saw I didn't see a trailer for this. I walked in blind, but I keep kept hearing like I saw the IB. I looked at the thing, and here were the reviews for it: six point two out of ten on IBD, IBDB, eighty eight percent Rotten Tomatoes, which means it's fresh. Three point three out of five on Letterboxd. So I thought, okay, let me check this out. So I started thinking like, okay, what is this film? And I start reading what it is. And it is a slash film. So I said, okay. So me and my girlfriend sat down last night. We watched this. And as I record this on a Tuesday, obviously, you know, it was a Monday night. We watched this. So Sick is a 2022 American slash film directed by John Hampton and written by Kevin Williamson. That caught my attention because Kevin Williamson, obviously, people know, wrote Scream. And basically, here is, is basically, it, here's the plot synopsis. While quarantined at her family's lake house during a pandemic, Parker and her best friend are threatened by an unexpected visitor. Quote, unquote. So basically, this film centers around, as I'm, I watched it last night, this film centers around, a, it's a slasher, so it caught my attention. And it centers around, basically, the 2020 pandemic in April. And it's... It was distributed on Peacock, and I I could see why, but I thought after watching it, because I'm going to let you know that I did enjoy this film. I did enjoy it. I really believe that Peacock, it could have made a run of theaters, but I get what it went. Blumhouse, and it was, just, it was the production companies were Miramax, Outer Banks Entertainment, and Blumhouse. And I want to make this known. Miramax has always been one of my favorite production companies. Outer Banks, I can't, Outer Banks Entertainment, I'm not sure about that. Now, whatever. Blumhouse Productions. Here's my thing on Blumhouse. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Blumhouse always 
will have some films they do really fucking good and they will have some shit bomb films. So that, I was kind of worried a little bit. So we're going to open this up and I'm going to post a full review on my Facebook page of this. I'm spoiler free, but I'm going to give you a heads up. In April 2020, during the COVID-19 pandemic, college student Tyler Murphy is basically at the store. He's at the store and op- the film opens up, by the way, where you see in April, they talk about in April 2020, there's so many COVID cases, 90% of the country's quarantine, which I really wasn't. I was working at the time. I don't know about you. But Tyler, we meet, we come to find out this, this student named Tyler Murphy. He's at the store, grabs some stuff, and he's being stalked by an anonymous figure. And it just, opening it up with this, I start getting, my. it made my stomach turn a bit because I remember how those, sh- those shelves in that grocery store were empty. I remember it. It made me sick to my stomach. I'm like, ugh. Never reviving it. Like me and my girlfriend were laying in bed. She's just sitting there like, ugh, those days. And there's a scene where Tyler tries to grab something and a woman says, seriously, dude, she wanted it first and she was being rude. And obviously, somebody starts texting him like, you want a party or whatever, stalking him. So obviously, he's being stalked and he's being stalked at a convenience store. So obviously, we're catching some screen vibes. So I'm like, okay, I've kind of seen this before, but when I saw Kevin Williamson writing this, who wrote Scream, I thought, okay, all right, I get it. So obviously, we're sitting there, you know, as we're watching this, he... Um, you know, t- uh, Tyler goes to his apartment and he's ambushed by a masked intruder. They have a big fight, good little sequence fights thrown around, gets his hand stabbed. He goes, Tyler goes into a, um, Tyler goes ahead and, um, <coughs> excuse me, Tyler goes ahead and he's like, uh, oh, I don't know, like, He's looking around. He feels like he's ran him off. As he locked himself in the room, he gets baseball back. He goes open the door. As he goes open the door, he well, he steps back in from a camera view. He gets his throat slipped by the intruder. So he's dead. Then we get the opening screen of it says sick what the film is. And we go to, we meet the character Parker Mason. And her and her best friend, Mary Woodland, are going to go to her family's lake house to quarantine. Which is whatever. Um, um, excuse me. So they go ahead and they arrive at the lake house and as you know, they're getting set up and it's a beautiful lake house, by the way, beautiful lake house, gorgeous. They get there and they're talking about their life and everything else, blah, 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 blah. And then Parker receives a really cryptic tech message about joining the lake or whatever. So obviously you feel like she's getting stalked. Then they're what that later that evening as they're they're selling a dock later that evening they are playing a drinking game and they're watching the news. Then they get an unknown visitor arrives in their driveway. They go outside, figure out. They head outside with a knife. The, the Parker heads outside with a knife. They don't see anybody. Blah 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 blah. And then uh, somebody enters the back door and they find out that it's it's a guy named DJ who had a fling with Parker. And now they, now of course they start partying together as they get started. They're all partying together, you know. They're they're smoking a little. They're smoking some weed, having a good time. They're deciding to go to sleep. And then as um, obviously, Mary leaves the room to go to bed. DJ and asks Parker about an Instagram post where she is seen kissing someone named Benji at a party. And, you know, DJ's like, well, I thought we were committed in this, blah, 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 blah. And Parker says we weren't. 
and you can tell DJ has feelings for Parker. So obviously you're getting a little side, the little side of the relationship. Like you see why he's there. He wants to get Parker. He has feelings for it. Parker disagrees, and they kiss. But she says, "I'm sorry." And Parker and DJ finally says, "You know, I'll just leave in the morning." And as DJ goes to his car, you see a masked figure enters the house. Now everybody, now everybody goes to sleep, right? So you think, okay, he's gonna kill him in her sleep. What's he gonna do? He starts taking all their phones. So obviously the intruder knows what he's doing. He's not gonna let him catch up. So he gets a good idea of that. Um, the intruder steals everybody's phone, and DJ and Parker suddenly wake up from loud music coming. Uh, <clears throat> um, DJ and uh, Parker wake up when they hear loud music playing. Begins to play downstairs. DJ, some I didn't catch this, but DJ, I guess, saw the intruder coming or whatever. And the next thing you know, he goes and says, You need to get out of here, get her out of here. And they get into it. And Parker uh, sees as he, and, out, and outside, Parker goes outside. She sees Mary, uh, she sees a sneak of Mary's when she shows a killer. She screams, wakes her up. Mary runs to Parker, runs to Parker. DJ and the intruder get into a hell of a fight. And DJ nearly gets away, but instead, Truder catches him, stabs him multiple times. When the door opens, DJ shuffles outside, and you see, and they do this scene where, like, it was, I think it was like a, a flagpole or something like that, but he was stuck like that, and it was a nice little slash kill. And um, so the door, um, and it was weird, DJ's feet were like, I was like, what is he doing? I didn't see it, like his feet, he was like walking on his toes, and then of course. And then Parker... You know, leaves car, leaves. Uh, I mean, as Parker gets out of car, she finds out what happens, and DJ uh, uh, Parker gets back in the car, and they start driving off. And you realize, I said it in the film, the tires are flat. Tires were flat. So once again, I watch a lot of horror movies, y'all. I see this shit coming sometimes. The car, the car gets stuck. The intruder chases them. They run to the roof, and Mary ends up getting pushed off the ground where she breaks her fucking leg, and. Ben Parker runs away from the kitchen and she tells her, Mary, just, uh, Mary, just act like your dad, act like your dad, act like your dad. And of course, Mary, um, as she acts like her dad, Parker distracts her. She runs to the kitchen and she takes a, and the intruder grabs her and she takes a fucking, I don't know what it was, like it was a can of something. And she beats the intruder down and basically, you think, kills him. And then she sees that a second intruder comes in, comes into the house. And it does that slow, methodical camera thing like you get in a movie. But it does that. And DJ ends up like running away. The intruder chases him. She's screaming. So, as that happens, um, and then, of course, you do some, you do some scenes where Parker gets breaks the dock away, so she starts padding away off on the dock with the, the water boat. The intruder chases her. They do a couple scenes where it doesn't make sense. Now, this is the scene here that kind of irks my damn nerves. So, you're obviously, they're on this wooden plank. If you're a guy, guy's gotten into it on, on a, like a dock, like on, a, on a, a dock bid, where dock shed or dock slip, where you cut it off and you ride out. The, the intruder swims and he gets up and he starts stabbing her. Now, I can believe that. This is where I have my issues with. All of a sudden, he starts stabbing underneath the soul. Basically, that thing's either underwater or you've got something underneath it where you can see, but they didn't touch on that. So Parker finally gets over there. She finally gets over. She gets across the lake house. 
to another house. She gets in, and also she she got her hand stabbed, so her hand stabbed. So she has to get in this house, and she uses a window problem, and they do a good thing. They zoom up on her hand where it's got the hole in it, and she's pulling back the door, the window, and you can see the pain on her face. So I like that. They get in there. She runs into a guy, and she says, please, I need help. I need help. And the neighbor confronts her with a shotgun and says, okay, like you got five seconds. And he says, I'm, I'm this person. You know me, who he is. So you don't really know this character, but you know they have a history. You see what happens? He goes, okay, okay, fine. He goes, the phone's over here. As he turns around, he gets his throat slit. The intruder then chases Parker again. They get on the main road, and this is where I get, they, she finally gets away from him. She gets to a car, and a woman immediately says, where's your mask? 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 She gets in the mask. She gets in the mask. She puts it on, and she ends up passing out because the mask has been laced with chloroform. And here comes a swerve. And you see... The driver and the intruder take her back to Lake House. They perform a COVID-19 test on her. And they reveal that their names, the husband and the wife are named Jason and Pamela. And their oldest son was a, a, another intruder who was basically deceased. Who's basically deceased because while back and forth, the intruder wakes up. Miri uh, ends up killing him. She ends up stabbing him in the neck because he ends up waking up. I don't know how he got up from me, he did. And they, they find out why are they doing this. They find out that Benji caught COVID from Parker at that party. And she ended up, basically, supposedly, he ended up dying. So you get the villains that have their intrusion. They're crazy now. Whatever. And they basically success, su- suspect that Carver, Parker was affected at the party where COVID test. She realized she was positive, And they wanted to avenge by killing her. And they also found out that they're the ones who killed Tyler Murphy. As he was the one who affected her. So basically, she was at the party we gather, and they're taking the people down that got Benji sick. So you get it. And of course, you know, they do interrogations. The dad punches Parker and knocks the shit out of her, put a, put a passive bag on her face, twice teasing her. And then Mary sneaks up. Uh, Mary sneaks up and knocks Pamela over with a uh, fucking, um, with a something, with a wine bottle, knocks her the hell out and throws her through a glass window. Jason comes back in the house. He's looking for her, and they go up the top, and they fucking shove him off, and he falls, and, pl- and it's a plant on deer antlers. So now you think, okay, it's finally over. And you've seen this a thousand times. There's something coming. They go to get out, and they go to a barn to get into a, um, a like a, a four-wheeler or s- something like that. They get in there, and obviously Pamela arrives, and... She she's alive. She's all busted up. She starts swinging an axe at him, and as she does it, she's hitting the gas can. The gas can goes off and gets all over, and then they light her on fire, and she dies. And then the cops show up, and then you see the last thing you see is the, the cops pulling up. Miri and, and, and Miri and uh, Miri Miri and um, Parker are standing with their hands folded as the the credits roll. So I will state this: this flat this slasher went about eighty three minutes. It was the perfect runtime. Here's my thing. I really did like it. Now, where I'm going to pick it apart at, I do like the killer's motivations. It shows you people take COVID-19 seriously. It's really serious when this happened, and they obviously, you know, the whole situation. I also believe that it was, oof, one of those things where you're like, damn, like, this is some crazy shit. <laughs> but I will state this. The swerve coming I like. But the only issue I have with this was it took a lot of elements of Scream and made it into something. It was a good slasher. 
I get that. But I just don't like the fact that it, it felt like a Scream movie to me. That's my only real issue with it is it felt like a Scream movie. And the fact that, you know, Benji died. You don't really know who he is. And then you find out why. Like, okay, that may, that's cool, but whatever. So, yeah. Um, scale of one to ten, though. If I had to rate it as a as an enjoyable horror horror film, if it was in the theaters, it would have got a run. Would I have seen it? Yeah, I would have seen it on a like a matinee price, like it was like it was on a discount. But on a scale of one to ten, guys, for January and their horror films usually being bad, it's a good trend because this is a good horror movie. I'm gonna give it a solid a solid seven point seven five out of ten. I just feel like it was really good. I didn't like the scream elements of it. Um, I kind of liked the element of being the three characters they were chasing. I wish they would have got them all together. Like I would have done something different. Like got them all together at this lake house somehow, some way, and then they hunt them down one by one. Also, the intruders were wearing like ski masks and different things. I wish they would have wore a different type of mask, like something else, like something that you see them covering their whole face. I would like that more. And the whole thing, the mom's a nutcase and everything else, that was cool. But I would just, just something was off. That was all. Maybe if I watch it again, I'll start nitpicking it more. But I did enjoy it. It's a really good slasher. Um, also, so, yeah, first horror film of the review this year. In Jan- and also in January is a good sign. That's a good sign. So, yeah. Now let's talk about uh, Megan. I haven't seen Megan yet. I'm going to work on seeing Megan. I got some plans for it. I just haven't had the time yet, guys. I've been very busy. All right. So... We got some trailer reactions to do for you guys today. Mandalorian season three trailer dropped, and also Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, the Quantumium new trailer dropped seven days ago, and I haven't done that. So let's watch this Mandalorian trailer. I'm gonna pause this because it's got some advertisements. I'm gonna turn this down real quick because fucking YouTube for God's sakes. And the Mandalorian season three trailer begins in three, two, one. Our people are scattered like stars in the galaxy. What are we? What do we stand for? Being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight. also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. That way, you'll never be lost. I'm going to Mandalore so that I may be forgiven for my transgressions. Something dangerous happening out there. And by the time it becomes big enough for you to act, it'll be too late. This is the way. 
Joey, that's what I'm talking about. Take my fucking money. Hell yeah. God, I love the Mandalorian. This is the way. This is definitely the way. As I pull up the screen. All right. So, thoughts on that? We didn't see a whole lot, but I think we saw enough. See some Jedi. Look like some flashbacks. I'm very interested to see how this goes. All right. So, now let's... We got one more trailer to do for you guys. Ant-Man the Quantum the season, the new trailer. I haven't done this yet, a reaction. So let's go ahead and do this now. I'm going to turn this back down a little bit just in case the advertisements come up. Oh, look, we're in luck. No advertisements. As I pause this. Turn this up. Ant-Man the Quantum new trailer. Three, two, one. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Okay. I like it, but then again, I don't. They show too much. I think it showed too much, and now I'm going to leave it at that. Way too much. Way, way too much, in my opinion, man. To the point I was like, nah, I'm cool, man. Like, um, like why? Why? But I do like what I've seen from Kang, the, the Kang, obviously. I like what they're going with this. I mean, obviously, introducing Kang the way they're going to do and how 
secret wars and stuff's going to happen and everything else down the line. But yeah, man, I just just thought it showed a little too much, man. Just a way, little way too much for me. I could have done without that trailer, to be honest with you. I could have. But I'm going to see it. But it just hurts my excitement a little bit. I'm like, damn, man, do you have to put another one out? Shit. But it's Marvel. Oh, I forgot there's a Craven a Hunter uh, trailer out, too. I just remember that. I'm going to pull that up real quick, too. I remember glimpsing at it, but not really much. But, you know, it's got Aaron uh, Taylor John playing Craven a Hunter. So we're going to see what this looks like. And, of course, the advertisements. Fantastic. You know, there's not too many things in this world I can't stand, but I can't stand a damn advertisement. Let's see what this is about. Craven the Hunter. Now, obviously, you don't know that's one of the one of the main villains for Spider-Man. So I'm very uh, anxious to see how this works. This is basically a Sony film with the help of Marvel, by the way. So in three, two, one. sneak on that not much just a little here and there not too bad um obviously we'll probably see more but i do like the teaser for it i'm i'm interested to see what they do with this because let's be honest i like the first venom film the second one's kind of hard to get through and obviously morbius was an morbius was very disappointing so sony whatever We'll see. So I want to do a little something with you guys today as we're going to close the show. And we're going to do a watch-along. Now, what is a watch-along? Watch-along is basically as I search for this match. Obviously, last year I had... Last year, obviously, everybody knows I had um, the Briscoes versus FTR one few of the year for me and match of the year for me and their, their dog collar match. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pull this match up here on YouTube. And you're not going to hear the match on here, but I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to pause it for you guys. If you go to YouTube.com, obviously YouTube, and you search FTR versus Briscoe's dog collar match, it should be the first match that comes up. It is 34 minutes and 50 seconds, 56 seconds long. Now, obviously, them boys, they have to, I'm a big fan of the Briscoe. And I'm just going to give you my commentary as you watch it. And, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So, watch along. Here we go. Our first one ever, guys. History of the making. <laughs> In three. Actually, let me check my. Yep, everything's still good with the recording. So we're in recording in three, two, one. Ring of Honor final battle. We get a little promo package action, as you can see. FTR, the Briscoes, double dog collar. Two of the best tag teams in the world. Top three, in my opinion. The only tag team are better than these two are the Briscoes. That's just my opinion. To do a little thing about it. Briscoes on. On doing their own little promo because obviously they can't get on AEW television, I guess, because of some mean tweets. 
I'm going to talk about how the match is going to happen. Doug Collar. Uh, so they talk about the story of how they met him at Final Battle last year. They're going to get it on. Blah, 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 blah. Um, obviously, the scene they, they want, they do the match at FTR. You see the announcers talking about this match. Treating it as a sport, which professional wrestling should be done this way. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, it is scripted entertainment, but man, it is a sport. And we look at because half these, you got to be an athlete to do this shit, dude. You have to be for the majority. Do some, you see some high spot actions, some t- great tag team wrestling, pile drivers, false finishes, hands getting raised for victories. You know, FTR talking about the belts the summer they've had in 20... I mean, because they had a hell of a 2022, so could ask for more. Double dog collar. So it's something that, you know, you're excited to see, you know, the promo package. And it's just just a good feeling. Jay Briscoe doing the thing around collars, chains. By the way, those chains are heavy. They are very. I mean, they got some weight to them. I mean, they're not astronomically heavy, but they got some weight to them. So you already you got two teams that are going to work with a dog collar and a chain. So obviously your entries. And here comes the entrances. The Briscoes come out to a good ovation. And what makes the Briscoes so good, in my opinion, is just they are just they're just so believable. They are who they are. They're some chicken farmers, and they wrestle. I mean, I'm a fan of them. And they look, they look crazy as shit. I mean, Jay's got the braids and shit with the dreads. You got Mark looking with his missing teeth and shit. Obviously, Jay's more of the money man than, the, than Mark, but I like, I'm a fan of these guys. I mean, they've been, I mean, they've held the tag titles before this match 12 times. So, before the match, you walk in there 12 time tag team champion. This is, this is something you want to see. Even if you don't watch Ring of Honor, you need to watch this. <laughs> this is good. Den Boys Top 5, Dead or Alive. I like that. I like that. I like those coats and stuff they're wearing. They got the camouflage on. So, you know, they're going to be in a fight. They're in Dallas, Texas. So, obviously, they're in the South. So, they're going to rock and roll with this a little bit. Briscoe stand up the ring, crown to the crowd a little bit. They're ready to rock and roll. And then here comes the FTR with their Midnight Express ripoff theme. And they're dressed like, dressed like Arn and Tully. So... <laughs> You can't get wrong with this, man. And FTR comes out looking like champions, looking like 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 they mean something. into the crowd a little bit painter you know doing the thing guys and this is mm. now obviously when you're watching this you obviously can have it in the background you can turn this up and watch it so
Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. They're nice looking belts. They're better than them WWE fucking bullshit ass copper titles they got. Ugh. Those title belts are so fucking ugly. But I do like these Ring of Honor belts. They got the logo, the Tag Team Championship, and the silver. FTR wearing the, the anniversary of Final Battle. And it ends basically one year later. It finally ends. 364 days later, these guys can get on. Now, they're now obviously, you're hearing them talk about the dog collar, about how, you know, FTR is like Bret Hart in a wrestling match against Terry Funk. But if Briscoe's, if this was a dog collar match, would you put this? They use the example of regular match. The Briscoes are like Terry Funk. FTR is like Bret Hart. When they're away in a regular wrestling match, you'd probably go with Bret Hart. But in a dog collar match, you're going to put your money on Terry Funk. So they use that analogy, and I like that. FTR putting their the chains on. Now you're going to see the Briscoes getting theirs on, and they're ready to rock and roll. I mean, they're just ready to roll and get this over with. I mean, they're ready to rock. I mean, you look at the Briscoes, you're like, these guys are wrestlers. These guys are professional. These guys, this is, and they're about to ring the bell, and we're going to rock and roll. And I'm not going to do the post match thing or anything. I'm just going to let the match go. Once the three, once the bell rings, it's over. And here we go. And you see people are standing in the background. They're ready to rock with this. JT's in the chain with Dax. And you see a little tug of war with uh, Mark and uh, Cash. And now we're going to get into it. Here we go. Swing and a miss. Double leg. So now we're going to see some brawling here. And I like the fact that it's, you know, you see the wrestling with Dax, but he can adapt and brawl with Jay Briscoe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice chop by Mark. Cuts him off. And nice camera work by Ring of Honor to get to get this in. You can tell. And, oh, there's the first change shot to the gut. And then Mark goes face first in the steps. And now they're doing the old, and now we got some, we get some blood from Mark. Now we're doing the old school WCW side camera view. Now, anybody knows what I'm talking about? They used to have two cameras. When you have a tag team match, when it goes over to place, they got one side covering the other one, and it's, I like that. Jay swings the chain, he misses it, and that's what I like. Now you see that you hear the way of the chain with their pointing. Now Dax is going to pull Jay. It's like, hey, he throws a chair at his face. That's okay in this. You can, I'm fine with weapons and matches, it's not overdone. In this situation, I'm fine. Now we're going to go through the crowd and brawl. Okay, let's brawl a little bit. And one thing I like about all three of their matches, and then you see Joe, ooh, Mark got some good, not some good blood there, good color. The one thing I like of all three of their matches, their first match they had, a, it was a respectable tag team match. The second match was two out of three falls and went 45 minutes. This is just going to be different. It's going to be a fight. And what you need to do, you can't do the same match over and over again. It has to be different. And they did a good job with this. A little, little ice to the face there. Brawl in the crowd. I'm sure the crowd will talk about it ever. Oh, nice little railing break there. Obviously, now they're going to throw up the stage. And I like that stage, by the way. And I've I'm, I'm always been a fan of a, a, the smaller stages because you can get more people in the building. And now we're going to see the chain whack a little bit. Now, obviously, they're going to work that chain. But in a way, you know, you can tell they're going to lay the shit in. They're laying their stuff in. Jay Briscoe's just getting his ass kicked right now. Mark fires back a little bit here with a little underhand chop. Oh, a little fire back. Wheeler fights him off. And it goes, and now a nice little cell. He, rumble, he tumbles down the stairs. 
Now, Mark obviously is going to get the crowd involved a little bit. He's a little crazy with that little wide-eyed look of his. Jumps off, does a little flip, and that's okay because it's not overdone. It's not one of those flips you see the guy goes back and forth, runs, runs, runs. It's more like one flip now, and then look. He sells it, he lays there, and now he's going to work the chain, and he's slowly getting up. That's how, That's fine. It's the guys that get up, and after they do a miraculous flip, they hop up, well, let's go. No, it's more like, shit. I'm going to fight, man. I ain't going to get up and go, let's go. I'm going to get on and whoop his ass. If it was real, this is how you do it. Jay and Dax, obviously, are getting back in the ring, which I like. And now that you go back to the one camera, so obviously, you know, they're going to get all back. Now, Jay's got the chain wrapped around his hand, swings. And we see a first suit, really the first technical wrestling move in this match, a suplex in the middle of the ring. Shit, my own mic over. And you see a, a German suplex, I believe that was. It's been basically three, five minutes in the match. You've seen two, in this first time you see two wrestling holds. Like that, that's, that, that shows you how good this, these guys are. Now, we see a little choking the chain action. Mark cuts him off with a little karate. Now he's doing that, that kung fu chicken karate gimmick he's got, which I like. Dax choking the shit out of Jay across his face. Good camera work there. Good camera work. Now, Mark's going to get in the ring here. He's going to chop Dax behind. And he's going to throw a little overhand chop with a little forearm action. I'm not a big fan of forearms throwing. I like punches and shots. But I, if you can land, if you can make a forearm look good, go for it. That was good for him. And now they're going to double Dax. Nice boot from Jay. And he stuck it on his side of his head and landed. Good kick to the gut. Another good right hand. Another good right hand. Now we're going to wind the chain up around her fist. Tease the crowd a little bit. Taunt it. Jay holds it up high so you can see the visual. Raises him up. And bam! Nice chain shot to the head. Jay taunts the crowd a little bit. That's okay. Bam. Bam. Bam, more round the chains. Just wreck the chains. That's six punches to the head. Jay, you know, cusses a little bit. You anybody knows Jay Briscoe? He is unfiltered as a motherfucker, and I love that about him. Uh, Dax goes, uh, Mark goes work back on, on uh, Cash on the uh, wheeler on the floor, and you see that uh, Dax got a, little, we got a little blood action. He got a little blood on the side of his head. That's good. Now he's going to choke him. And no DQ, no count out, so you can get away with this. this is basically a, that's basically a chokehold, and this is basically a sleeper. So you, you get you can get away with this, and they're doing a good job. Dax is bleeding. Now Jay's on, Jay asked for something. Now he's going to get a chair. Now Jay's gonna write it where write his hands up. And pop. Get in the ring. Nice right hand. Now he's gonna beat him down the corner. Beat him. Beat him. Beat him. Beat him. And I like how Dax is when he's falling out, he's got his hands tucked. Like in between his legs. Like he's got him tucked. Like he can't def- he can't get his hands up to defend him. I like that. Now you're gonna throw him in the now you gonna throw him in the chair. Now they're obviously the briskers are set up for something here. You're gonna throw him in the, now he's gonna wind up throwing a chair. Dax puts the feet on, stops, and Jay takes a hell of a shit. Oh, he got good on that one. And 
Cash from the outside is now choking Mark. So, or, yeah, now he's choking Mark because Mark was going to come in here. And now Dax is going to lay the lumber in on him. There you go. And now, now they're going to wind that chain up. And now they're going to whack him in the stomach. And bam! Good visual. Good sound. And now they're going to work on that. Watch this. Wham! There you go. I don't care who you are. If you're that's a chain going, in. that hurts. No matter how much they lay, hold it, and they work it, it still hurts. Now and now you see Dax gonna go outside. He's gonna go tie Jay up. A nice right, nice work on Mark. And Jay Briscoe is bleeding. God, ooh. Jay's bleeding good now. And JC's trying to get the chain around his so he can get free. He's caught up in entanglement. So work, you know, good psychology. And oh, damn, Jay bladed good on that. Good shit. I don't care what you say. Blood works well in wrestling when it's done right. And now, the FTR is going to the top rope as, ooh, there we go. Willer's wrapping his wrist around the chain, going to come off the top rope. Doomsday device. Good homage to the Royal Warriors. One, two, and Mark kicks out. Now, I don't agree with that. I would rather have seen Jagan and break the pin up or something. Or push Dax anywhere, but okay, false finish one. That was a good false finish still. And by the way, I'm not critiquing these guys. I'm just as a fan watching what I like to see better. Because like, obviously I don't do it. Cash going for it looks like a power bomb or a, or a pile driver. No, he's got always going to... Oh, I forgot this. The spot. Now he's going to hang him up and like choke him with the chain. And God, Jay Briscoe's bleeding good. Man, this is good. And now they're going, oh, right there in the stomach. And he lets them go. And I, you see Cash said, I got hit in the elbow on that, so I'm going to sell that too. And now he's going to hang them up. Now, this is an old school spot. I know it doesn't age well today, but it's still, in some cases, it works well when you do this. And obviously, they're working at it. And you see Cash just fucking stretching and stretching. Jay's over there getting his ass kicked a little bit. So the, and you see the Briscoes are bleeding, but they're fighting. They're still fighting underneath. They're not dead. That's how you sell. And now they're going to chain them up. And, oh, and there's a good spot right there. They break the chain on, um, break the spot. Now Jay's going to fire back on Wheeler. And Jay Briscoe is, now look at Jay. He's bleeding. He's He's got blood in his eyes. You can't really see it, but it, and there's a, all right, here we go. Going to go for it. It looks like a, Going to choke him up a little bit. And a big right hand. Jay throws a good right hand. That's a good punch. A really good working punch. And boy, Jay Briscoe's bleeding. And he spits the blood out. Good visual. I like that. The crowd pops on that. I like that. Mark going up the top rope. And he does this, He does a frog splash elbow. If you've never seen this, Jay sets up with that air. A net breaker. Beautiful net breaker. Beautiful. Mark Briscoe's getting that elbow tied up. He's going to do a... Ch- the top rope. The froggy elbow is a frog splash, but an elbow drop instead. Let's see. He, gets the, he got it. Bam! With the chain. Gets him right in the middle. Inside leg hook on his back. Doesn't cook the airway. Cash kicks out. Good false finish. Like that a lot. And Jay sell, and look at Mark selling the effects of the elbow drop with the chain wrapped around him. Psychology. How many times you see a guy do a big move and they don't sell anything? And now... Cash is busted up, and now Cash is busted up. So all four guys are bleeding. God, Jay Briscoe's hair's even got blood. I mean, they they are bleeding. Oh, there you go, big boot. 
And that canvas is turning, as Gordon Solo would say, his face is the pervalmium crimson mask. I apologize if I butchered that, but you know what I'm saying. Now we're going to go to the outside get some chairs involved. Okay. No problem with that. No problem with that at all. It's okay to, you know, like this is good. This is controlled violence in a way where we're like, okay, you can believe in this. Gonna get a little table action now. Uh, my thing about tables are fine, but they're so overdone now. Everybody goes through a fucking table anymore. Cash and Dragon for suplexes. Oh, got him up, got him up. Nope. Fights it. F- goes again. And Mark finally counters. Bam. And I don't care what anybody says. Those mats are not that thin. Those are standard wrestling mats. They are not that thick. That hurts. I mean, Dax has got... I mean, FTR is wearing the white trunks, and it looks so good when they got blood stained all over them. I mean, this is just... I mean, this is, this is, this is so good. It's one of the best tag team matches I've seen in the last five years. And it also helps I'm, both fan, I'm a fan of both these guys. Off the top rope, Jay's fighting. Cash fights. I mean, Dax fights underneath, cuts him off. Nice. No, use the chain like a little fist, little fist bump. And Dax is going to the top rope. And here's the thing. He's wrapping the chain around his head. Obviously, he's trying to do a headbutt, headbutt spot. Now, here's my thing. I'm not big. You're a fan of wrestling. You know what I mean by this. You get it. I'm. You want to do a spot, do a spot. Diving headbutts make me cringe. They make me fucking cringe, man, because I think about how Harley races last year. And bam, nice head. It's a good spot if it's controlled, but it's just diving headbutts are weird. When you lay your body out, look at Daniel Bryan. I mean, you know, he had to fight back from, you know, his retirement from concussions and stuff, and it made, I mean, it was a hell of a story, but still, it's part of the reason why. Concussions, man, they, they ain't nothing to fuck around with. But obviously, you know, I like the spot. You know, see here, Dax is Dax is stunned. He doesn't go for a pin all because he's stunned. He doesn't know where he's at. Jay's can't get to his feet yet. You can see. I mean, Dax good visually. He's fired up now. Now he's pissed, and the crowd's behind. Both these guys are babyface teams. The, the crowd split. You never want to do that, but it makes sense in this case. He hits Jay in the chain, and Jane sta- Jay staggered. Jay shoves the ref off like I'm okay. Don't ask me if I want to quit. He shoves the ref again. Dax shoves the ref now. Bam. I mean, it's just, this is just great, man. How can you not watch this and go, damn, this shit's real. And bam, the ref gets in. Good ref spot. And now you listen to the commentary. The ref gets hit. The, the, the crowd kind of goes, <gasps> the ref got hit. And now Dax is checking on the ref like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Now, because he knows the situation. He had Jay vulnerable. Now it's a turning point in the match. And now the ref, he's going to go to the corner, and he's bleeding. Now listen to the commentary. The commentary gets a little bit more quiet here. It's kind of like that golf commentary, like, oh, my God, this is so serious. I get The commentary is so good in this, too. So all around, the production on this value from the, the in-ring work, the entrances, the psychology, the commentary, everything about this is fucking perfect. 
And now dad, now we got a new ref, and you see that like, they got the, they got somebody on the outside. Like this is serious. I mean, that, the ref did it, and I, it's a hell of a job, by the way, by the ref. Now Dax is gonna go in there slow. You see this ain't Dax's thing. Now they're gonna slow. And now Jay's gonna fire up with them jabs. Bam with those left jabs, and you can see this is his type of his match. It works in that way. Jay fires up, big boot across. Dax comes back, ducks down, back suplex, and the crowd claps. You don't need to do a. This shows you right here. You don't have to hit the ropes 15 times to do a drop kick here, a big black, blah, 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 blah. Just simple shit, and it makes it work. Cash and uh, now Mark on the apron as Jay and Dax are on the ground, and they're battling back and forth. Mark's firing with some forearms. Ducks down, goes for a back suplex on the ground. Bam! On the apron. And that hurts. That's the hardest part of the ring. That hurts. Cash Wheeler lays him out on the table with a nice little stiff clothesline. That fucker was stiff too. Going for an elbow, it looks like. Oh, nice chop cutting him off. Now, see, I like the chops more, the overhand chops and the chops more than the damn forearm. Now, that's a good looking forearm. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. God, this is great. Nice drop kick. That was snug, too. He got him on the side of his head. That was beautiful. Now Mark's going to lay him out. Now Mark's going to get a little work and get his little shine in. Now they're going to set the Doomsday Device. And look, and Cash gets up. <clears throat> Peels him off the top rope on the pile of chairs. The balls to do that because I that hat that the balls to do that. And you see Dax is on. He's checking on both of them. Bam! Just a good spot. Good camera work by the way on that replay. Hmm. And you see Dax checking his head. I, you know he's hoping for. Dax and Jay are going to get some work now. Going for a pile driver. Jake blocks it. Goes for a, goes goes for the Jay driller. Gets it. And it was beautiful. Now the crowd pops. They think, this, obviously, it's over. One, two, bam, close. Kicks out. Beautiful kick out. And Jay, look at Jay's face. Jesus. I think the commentary in this, Jay, they said the, the, the blood looks so bad. Look like Jay lost an eyelid. <laughs> it was, this is good. So it doesn't hurt Jay in this. I mean, these guys. I mean, that's his finish. It doesn't hurt him. It was. It was simple. It was good psychology. He hit it well too. And you see, look, and look, Jay's even fatigued at the point. Where, like Dax is making more room than Jay right now. Jay's got to use the damn ropes to get up because how quick the spurt that moment was on that move. Now nah, Jay's got the chair. God, when visually with pro wrestling blood, and you see Dax is giving his back, so he knows they're going to get some chair shots. Jay's taunting the crowd. He's going to swing that damn chair, and bam! And I like how he lets go of the chair. Like, he he holds in one hand and flips it over. I like that. One more. Jay's going, one more. And another one, and he lets go, and that he hit him right between the shoulder plexus. 
Look, see that? Look at that. It looks like he's missing a fucking eyelid. He's bleeding so good. I mean, this is just good. And now he's going to pick the chair up again. Swings this time the third time and he lets go of the chair. And he got him good on that one. And <laughs> Willer gets in. He gets a chair on his chair. He gets a chair. Now Jay says it's over. I'm going in this motherfucker, as he says. Goes for the J, going for a J driller on the chair. Dax counters. Hit goes low. No rules. Pile driver on the chair. Beautiful. One, two, kick out. The only I think that now everybody says the well, should have been finished. The way Dax had him pinned, if you watch it, it's fine. Look at this. The crowd's like, what the hell are we watching? Beautiful pile driver. Bam! Kicked the, slid his feet out. Old school. They had to jump to slid his feet out. Beautiful pile driver. I rather trust somebody give me a pile driver and somebody come down with a diving headbutt on me if I was wrestling. Seriously. And look at Dax using the chair to get up. Just beautiful sight. Just, God, this is gorgeous. Now he's going to get some chair shots in. Fucking murder him. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Man, this is just... This is just... Look at Dax's tights, how they're stained with blood. I mean, this just makes you proud. You're a wrestling fan. This is what you tell people. Why are you a fan? Because of shit like this right here. Going to the top rope now. Briscoe's doing chop there. Jay is just oof. another one and another one. Now he's gonna go for an avalanche pile driver. So obviously you know there's no way in hell they're gonna do this spot. There's no in a way where you, just, you don't see it happening. Jay cuts him off. He gets underneath him. Nut shots him with the chain. Beautiful. Wheeler gets up. He gets knocked down. And watch these guys, how crisp these guys are taking bumps. Now Jay's going to go to the top rope. He's going to pull Dax up with him. Oh, boy. Let's get on that top rope. With that. Now you got to realize these guys are carrying a damn chain, a, a, 10, a 15, 20 pound chain. And we're going to get a superplex, it looks like. Onto the chairs. Oh, beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. You see, Willer's trying to get in to break the pin, but Marcus hang on to the damn chain to not get him in. Willer's trying to get in to save his partner. Jay's crawling over. As you see, nice side camera work. Good job, Ring of Honor. Going for the cover. One, two, and Dax kicks out. And Jay's in a hog time now. Now, the, obviously, the psychology of that, like, it was a suplex, but the, the way the delay on the chain was hog tie. He's got him hog tied, basically. Now, again, Wheeler's on the outside trying to get in. He's trying to get in, trying to get in. Can't get to him. Can't get to him. Zach's going to tap. He gives. He passes out. Perfect match. Perfect. 
That is beautiful. Crowd standing for both teams. Awesome match. That is what I love about wrestling. And obviously that the video length on that is 34 minutes and 56 seconds. So that's the link on YouTube. Search that, like I said. FTR versus Briscoe's dog collar match. Once again, it is 34 minutes and 56 seconds. So that's this week's show. Hope you enjoyed this one. My long, I think it's the longest episode I've ever done. Until then, y'all, I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is. Straight up.